0: Three, two, one. Here we go. Broadcasting to the four corners of the conservative universe, it's the Matlock Show. He loves all things conservative politics, and if there's a microphone nearby, you can bet he'll be the one beating the left over the head with it. And now, a true original, the common
1: sense conservative, here's your host, Matlock. Oh yeah, that's right. Friday, my friends. Welcome into the Matlock Show. I'm your host, Matlock. It is Red Friday. Let's remember, everybody deployed. I got my Red Making Radio Great shirt. Again, t-shirt on, so we're ready to go. Make sure you always think a veteran. Hey, I got a great show for you today. Bill de Blasio is ending his presidential campaign, if you can imagine that. Um, Justin Trudeau and little blackface. Donald Trump is uh, trying to expose one Joe Biden and Hunter Biden in Ukraine. Uh, Mark Pence says Hillary Clinton may run, but on the hotline, I've got a treat for you today. I have got New York Times bestselling author, Kyle Mills, uh, author of the Mitch Rapp series and Lethal Agent, which drops on September 24th. Kyle, welcome to the Matlock Show. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's it, look, the, the the honor is mine. I love talking to you authors because you're so smart. I mean, you're way smarter than I am. You sit around and you think up of all these things that I can't think of. But let's tell the audience who you are. Who is Kyle Mills? Uh,
2: I am the author of like 18 books now. Um, I started out when I was kind of, I think I was probably 29 and just wanted to do something creative. And so I decided to write a novel and figured my mom would read it, but it went on to become a bestseller and started me off on kind of a lengthy career.
1: I love the fact because we all say that, you know, we want mom to be part of that, right? You know, and it was funny because I was covering on Locked and Loaded today over America's Voice for my television show. Mayor de Blasio got one vote in some poll and it must have been his mother. You know, that's the way, it's always your mom, right? But so how did you get into writing? Why did, why did you, what said to you, you know, Kyle, I want to write some books. Uh, You know, I think it was my wife, mostly. I, I, uh... Women. Dang! Uh, yeah, I, I honestly
2: wanted to learn to build furniture, and uh, <laughs> wait, but I, wait, my wife—wait wife wait,
1: wait, a minute! Wait a minute! You wanted to do custom furniture? Yeah, I was gonna
2: kind of put a shop in my garage and learn to do that. That, that was going to be my creative project, and my wife said, "Well, you're not very handy, and I don't want you to fill the garage up with stuff."
1: So, so you're so not I, handy, and you wanted to make furniture, but your wife won that argument.
2: She won that. Article. Well, she was right. I really wasn't very handy. And we live in Wyoming, so not being able to park in the garage is kind of a bad deal. Yes. So uh, the, the book was easier. That was so long ago, I didn't even have a computer. So then all I had to do was buy a laptop and, uh, as opposed to all the big machines.
1: That was so long ago, I didn't even have a computer. You, get, you can't tell people how old you are, Kyle, but I love it <laughs> because you said you've written around 18 books. You know, What did you do before you were a writer? Uh, I worked in corporate banking. Okay, so you were a banker. Yeah. Oh. yeah. How, do you, how do you go from a banker to a writer? Uh, it was a weird transition, I
2: have to say. Uh, you know, to go from going into the office every day to, uh, you know, sitting kind of in your basement uh, thinking up stuff. Uh, but it's been really fun. I like the flexibility of it and the creativity of it, and, and it gives you an opportunity to, you know, do a deep dive into all kinds of interesting things. Uh, subject matters.
1: So, what was your first book? What, what did you write? What, what what led you down this path? Uh, I wrote a book called Rising Phoenix, and it was an idea I had.
2: I had just thrown out, I think, at a party that you know you could solve the narcotics problem in the United States if you just started dumping poison into the drugs. You know, people would either die or they'd stop using them. Wow! And so I have kind of a domestic terrorist do that, uh, and. You get to see the fallout, and then I had a series character, FBI agent, who investigated and you know tried to stop him.
1: Well, I'll tell you, and that's what I find so fascinating about authors. I know you. I've talked to Brad Thor and Jack Carr and Matt Bettley and now you, and you probably know them as well. You're with Emily Bessler, and you guys are all in the same house. I think it's amazing how you guys come up with ideas. How do you come up with your ideas? Do they just hit you?
2: Kind of, well, stuff like that does. I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, I've always been kind of a fanatical problem solver. And I think about problems and like, what is the problem exactly? And how could you solve it in the most efficient manner possible? I think it drives my wife crazy. But the, and that was the problem at the time was, you know, the drug war was was big. It's not as is in the forefront now, but I thought how could you solve that problem and this is that's the thing I came up with you could solve it in a couple of months if you did this. Not that I would recommend that or suggest that, but it was an interesting thought process and and made for a good fodder for
1: a novel. Well, I think it's amazing what you guys do. I love the creativity. But let's shift gears here because now we've got lethal agent That is coming out here September 24th. It's a Mitch Rapp series. I just got into this. And Mitch Rapp was developed by an author by the name of Vince Flynn. Now, Vince, as some may not know, Vince died of cancer in what, 2013 or fourteen.
2: Yeah, it was about six years ago now.
1: Yeah, it's been a while, but he developed this character in Midtrap, and that, that's what I want to talk to you about you know, for the rest of this interview. So here you are, a writer of your own accord. You're, you're, you're writing you know, Rising Phoenix. You've got Fade, The Second Horseman. You've got uh, a bunch of stuff, Utopia, Experiment, Aries Decision. I mean, you're, you're a well-known writer in your own mark, in, in your own field here. How did it come to pass that you were going to start writing these Midtrap books?
2: Well, I had written a few books for the Robert Ludlum estate um, and wasn't really doing that anymore. But uh, when Vince passed away, uh, I remember thinking, you know, how horrible it was. He's he, he and I were almost exactly the same age. And uh, but I remember also thinking, geez, the last man, which is the last book he, he wrote, just left Mitch hanging. I mean, like, what, what's going to happen to Mitch? And I thought well, maybe they'll hire somebody to, to continue the series. I hope they do. And I hope they hire somebody really good. And then I don't know, like three <laughs> is, weeks later, or something, guy, I got a call.
1: Is the guy and, any good they hired?
2: Yeah. Well, I, you know, absolutely. <laughs> so you
1: got a call. Sorry. I got I a call. Yeah and, yeah. and
2: they said, you know, would you be interested in, you know, throwing out some ideas about, uh, what you do with this series? And so I went back and reread the last man I had read it, you know, when it came out and, uh, I sort of, it was a terrible job interview, I think, I said, uh, yeah, you know, this is kind of where I think I'd go with it, but in the process of writing the book, I'll change my mind like 10 times, so that's not what you'll get.
1: Oh, that is a bad interview. You can't yeah, say no. that.
2: I thought, eh, I won't get that job, and then uh, a few days later, they said, yeah, that would be fine.
1: So what? And, uh, when did hired. you pick up writing, What? which book was your first book of the Vince Flynn Midtrap series? The Survivor. Okay. Okay, because he wrote, yeah, yeah, The Last Man, and then I wrote The Survivor. Because what I'm really looking forward to, Kyle, and and I said this on my television interview, I'm going to say it here. I'm a really weird dude when it comes to reading books, and I'm an avid reader. I can read a book in about eight hours. These books are, I I fly through them, I love them, I get so engrossed that I can't put them down. But I'm really weird in the fact that I have to read them in the chronological order. And and, and I know all of you writers are like, oh, you can pick up our books and you can get the gist of it and you can read it. I just can't. I'm really weird about that. It would drive me nuts. I would wonder what I missed in book three as I'm reading book 13 and all that stuff. And I've got somewhat of a semi-photographic memory. So I remember everything I read. So I remember all these things. And you were talking about it. You did a lot of research Behind Mitch Rapp, so you could start writing these books. Tell the audience what you had to do to familiarize yourself with Mitch Rapp. Well, so I read kind of like you. You know, I went back and I'd read a bunch of Vince's
2: books uh, over the years. We started kind of around the same time, but I didn't necessarily read them in order. Uh, and a lot of them I had read a long time ago when he wrote them. Right. Um, so I went back, like you, and read them all in chronological order over the course of three months. Um, I remember it was six thousand five hundred and twelve pages, Wow. and yeah. I wrote one hundred and fifty pages of notes wow. so that I would know, you know, everything about that had happened to him, Because I, I like to do that. You know, it's fun to kind of allude to the past so because fans particularly fans like you have really good memories will yeah. go oh I know who that character is yep. you know or whatever yep. Yep. and little easter eggs here and there and then sometimes I bring back characters because I always think you know what happened to that character right. she he or she just sort of dropped off and we never knew what happened to him and so I thought I get to bring them back and find out.
1: No, and I love that because that's, I'm so glad you said that because when I read these books, I look for the little Easter eggs. I look for the little morsels that no one else can see or doesn't remember or, or even, you know, just didn't know it was there. I love that about that. So, all right, let's move forward. Lethal Agent drops September 24th where all books are sold. Give the audience, give the listeners, what's a 30,000 foot overview of Lethal Agent?
2: So this book is about uh, a terrorist uh, biological threat from ISIS. And this is kind of what Mitch does generally is he's a specialist in the Middle East. And um, he's never dealt with with this kind of a threat before, with a biological threat. And it's really fun for me to kind of throw the character into situations he's unfamiliar with because he feels very real to me. So I never know how he's going to react. And so he's, he's working in Yemen. He ends up having to go, which he's very good at. You know, he speaks Arabic and he looks kind of, he, he's kind of dark complexed, so he can mm-hmm. mix in the Middle East. But then I make him go to, and deal with the, uh, with the drug cartels in Mexico. So he doesn't blend in very well there, doesn't speak, you know, but about 10 words of Spanish and all that. So you get to see how he reacts
1: nice you see and that's what i love too you know devolving or, or, or evolving a character to get outside of his sweet spot like you said put him in a place where he's got to do something else because i believe that that adds flavor to the story and i'm looking forward i'll get through these books kyle i swear to you <laughs> i will have lethal agent red in the year so i can get the new one next year all right here's the important stuff thank you for your time for first of all but where can people find you
2: uh, KyleMills.com. Uh, pretty easy, and from there you can connect me on social media, media, and everywhere else.
1: And the book drops the twenty fourth. It's at all places we can buy books. Correct.
2: Yep, you should be able to find it just about everywhere.
1: I love it. Go out and find Kyle Mills. All right, that was the author Kyle Mills. I love it. I mean, what a, if you get the chance? Lethal agent in stores September 24th go find him kylemills.com what a great interview i had the pleasure of talking to him on locked and loaded this morning and now on the matlock show i tell you i'm so i'm so blessed I, i'm telling you i'm so blessed all right let's get into this all right shall we all right let's fire this thing off because let's go it's friday yeah it is
0: With a sign of speech, machine guns ready to go Another one bust the dust, hey, hey. Another one bust the dust, hey.
1: Another one bites the dust. Gotta love it. Welcome into the Friday edition of the Matlock Show. My God, we're having fun today, aren't we, Red? Remember, everybody deployed Friday. This segment brought to you by, since I got past the interview and everything else. Oh, by the way, Mayor de Blasio's out. Another one bites the dust. We'll get to that in a minute. Hey, This segment brought to you by CombatFlipFlops.com. Head over to CombatFlipFlops.com. Use LOCK25LOCKE. Two, five, and get 25% off anything on the website. It's amazing. Bad for running, worse for fighting, great flip-flops, well-made, merchandise, shoes, jewelry, you name it. Get over there and do it right now. I'm, I'm telling you, it's amazing, 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 com- amazing stuff over there at CombatFlipFlops.com. Lock 2-5, L-O-C-K-E-2-5 will get you 25% off. Bad for running, worse for fighting. Do it now. Combat at flip Lock 2-5. Mayor Bill de Blasio ends presidential campaign. I know that you're sad. Another one bites the dust. He says, I feel like I've contributed all I can to this primary election. It's clearly not my time. <laughs> yeah, he was pulling at uh, mom. Zero. If you listen to my interview with Kyle Mills there in that, that first uh, 10 minutes, yeah, it's always your mom. It's always your mom that's listening, right? The mayor failed to make the polling threshold to make the Democrat debate stage in September. De Blasio's support hovered between zero and no one cared in Democrat primary polls, despite participating in two Democratic debates and scoring hits on front runner, former Vice President Joe Biden. Even a Siena College poll of 359 New York Democrats registered only one person, de Blasio's mom, supported his campaign. De Blasio told the Morning Joe audience that he appreciated his time on the campaign trail. Quote, these last months, I've had an extraordinary experience going all over this country, and I want to tell you, I actually think it's a lot better country than what we often see portrayed. Of course it is, because Trump's the president, baby! What a turd. The New York City mayor said he was not worried about democrat unity in 2020 but he did express some concerns about motivating the electorate because it's your fault we're going to get to that in a minute we're going to talk about blackface we're going to talk about justin trudeau we're going to talk about all of the wokeness and we're going to talk about trump or we're going to talk about hillary and all this stuff but you know he's worried about motivating the electorate is what he's worried about he says we don't need to worry about lack of passion If Democrats don't stand for something, do not assume people will come out and vote if they're not inspired. Well, they sure weren't inspired by you, Bill. (laughs) Another one bites the dust. I love it. What are we going to talk about here? It's Friday. Um, Tucker Carlson. Let's talk about Tucker Carlson uh, was talking about uh, Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, Uh, Blackface Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Now if you follow me on Twitter at Realmatlock, Instagram and Parlor, that's my handle you can go over to the Matlock show or the cartel Matt on Facebook to find me. But uh, I talked about this on Twitter yesterday, and I want to touch on it today. I, I think it's important to talk about this. Um, the left's going to give you all kinds of excuses, and we'll get into that in a minute. But uh, Justin Trudeau wore Blackface as a costume. And, and you know, I, I frankly don't care. do you? Uh, you know, a costume's a costume. I love dressing up. If, if you have not seen Facebook or Twitter, I dress up as a Will Ferrell character every Halloween. Why? Because I look like him. When I went on my honeymoon in St. Lucia, they thought I was him. I had three people ask me for an autograph. I kind of look a little bit like Will Ferrell in some ways. And when I dress up, I can. I, I. At some point, I should reach out to Will Ferrell and do a little something with him. It'd be funny. It would kind of be funny. But anyway. I always dress up as Will Ferrell. He's white, so it makes it easier for me. But it's just a costume. I don't care. I mean, do you really? Do you really care as an individual in this country that Justin Trudeau mm, got into a costume three times of a black person? I don't. I mean, if you want to be Eddie Murphy, if you want to be Michael Jackson, if you want to be Richard Pryor, they're black. You want to be Buckwheat from you know the Little Rascals? He's black. What it is, I'm not offended by that. But you know what I am? You know, you know what really irritates me. It doesn't offend me; it irritates me. The hypocrisy. Because here's the deal: Uh, Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau admits there could be at least three more photos of instances where he wore blackface. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau got caught wearing blackface, and a lot of people are pretending to be very, very surprised. But are you really? In fact, you probably could have guessed it, right? I mean, the left's crazy. It's A little like finding out that your super sensitive brother-in-law, the one who tells you he's a feminist, you know, the one who's always scolding you for sexism, is in fact hitting on the babysitter, you know, that guy. The virtue is always a cover for the sin. That's the key to understanding the modern left. Whatever they're accusing you of, they're doing themselves, but probably more enthusiastically. And that's definitely the story of Justin Trudeau. Like your brother-in-law with the ponytail, Trudeau brags about being a feminist. You use the wrong words in his presence and he'll launch into a self-righteous lecture. Justin Trudeau may be the most sanctimonious head of state on planet Earth. So, of course, he was leading a secret life as a racist. That's why he's so sanctimonious. So you won't notice. Now, it turns out that there are now three separate instances of Justin Trudeau wearing blackface. And he conceded on Thursday, there could be more, reporter asked him. You left us with the impression there was only one other incident. and Since then, Global News has released a video, which seems to show that there was at least a third incident. So exactly how many times have you darkened your skin with makeup in an act that you have yourself described as racist? Now, Trudeau, you know, he says, yeah, 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 I shared the moments that I recollected. But I recognize that it's something absolutely unacceptable to do. And yes, I appreciate you calling it makeup. But it is blackface. Uh, Really? I don't care. The hypocrisy is so rich, is it not? I mean, the hypocrisy knows no bounds. The left can do no wrong. And I want you to listen to this because if you're Justin Trudeau, it doesn't matter. Viewers, don't care how many times you had blackface. They try not to be judgy, especially the left. I mean, they don't want to judge the liberals. They don't want to come out after liberals because they're pals. So what is going on with Justin Trudeau? Well, it turns out, and he explained this, that he suffers from an especially violent case of something called white privilege. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm so sick. Of hearing about white privilege. That's anybody, All anybody. I'm white. I, I was born white. I had no choice. I had zero. Ze, let me tell you. I had zero input. To what color I was. Seriously. My mom and dad got together. Bumped some uglies. And how I came? Here, here we are. I had zero choice. As to the genes I got. Right? But all my all this white privilege. I am so damn tired. Of hearing about my white privilege. My white privilege is lazy. I haven't seen a white privilege check. It hasn't come in the mail. No couriers delivered it. My white privilege sucks. I'm going to tell you that. I mean, I got terrible white privilege, but here it is. He suffers from an especially virulent or virulent case of something called white privilege. Quote, he says, I have always acknowledged." that I come from a place of privilege. But I now need to acknowledge that that comes with a massive blind spot. Did you get that? White privilege is the problem here. That's Trudeau's explanation. And if you're not listening carefully, it might sound like Trudeau just took responsibility for what he did. But in fact... It's just the opposite. He just transferred it. Then when Trudeau blamed privilege, he is moving responsibility for what he did from himself to the rest of you. In other words, I did something awful because society itself sucks. Therefore, and this is the key, therefore, I need to keep telling you how to live your life. It's not a confession. It's a justification. And the only people dumb enough to buy it are the news media. The dumbest people in the world over at CNN, for example. Don Lemon, deeply impressed. Here's what Don Lemon says He says, you know, wow, wow, a leader apologizing. Seems odd, doesn't it? I mean, because we have one who doesn't, President Trump. But he, Trudeau, says, you know, He didn't think it was a racist at the time. Now he knows better. What do you think of that? Now, Lemon goes on. I mean, because he hasn't kissed Trudeau's butt enough, and he hasn't put Trump down enough. So he says, but I do have to say this before we go. Think about it. However you want to think about it. When someone apologizes, wow. We don't often see that here, especially a world leader who is saying I should have known better, and I'm sorry. You can feel about it however you want. But that to me, that does mean a lot. I've got to go. Thank you, he says. It means a lot to Don Lemon. It really does. And what a difference a year makes. If you can remember, back all the way when Megyn Kelly of NBC found herself under the same attack in pretty much the same way, the difference was that Megyn Kelly never wore blackface. She wouldn't do that. She is not Justin Trudeau. And if you're not listening carefully, it might sound like she did. It was just the opposite. She made the mistake of not seeming quite offended enough in a TV segment by certain Halloween costumes for that crime. Think about that for a second. She never wore blackface. She just wasn't offended about certain Halloween costumes like you and me because she's got a freaking brain. Who cares? It's a costume, right? But old Don Lemon then, I'm just going to be honest, he says. Megan's 47 years old. There's never been a time in her 47 years that blackface has been acceptable. I wonder how much diversity she has on her staff. I don't know. I'm not there. But I imagine there's not a lot because people would have informed her. This is what people of the larger culture don't understand about racism and about privilege. Keep in mind, and this is universally true, it was true of Jimmy Swaggart, it is true of Justin Trudeau, and probably true of Don Lemon, the more sanctimonious you are, the more you're hiding. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. You want to know who's up to no good? Look at the people who are tugging their chin and saying, oh, I would never do that. And yet, suddenly, Don Lemon went from that, I wonder how much diversity she has in her staff, to, oh, I'm so glad that Justin said I'm sorry. Did Don Lemon have a change of heart? Is he now a forgiving man? Could it be be because that Justin Trudeau is a powerful leader on the left, he gets a pass? No matter what he does? I think you know the answer, because, of course, you've seen it before. Earlier this year, the governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam, was caught wearing blackface. Actually, it was a clan hood. He still won't tell us which it was, but whatever it was, he was wearing blackface or clan hood. Northam, a liberal Democrat, decided he didn't need to resign over it. The left pretended to care for eh, about a minute. Oh, they're so upset. And then they forgot the whole thing ever happened. Northam himself said the incident showed deep wounds in Virginia. What he did Showed deep wounds in the whole commonwealth of Virginia. In other words, Northam himself wasn't guilty of anything, Blackface or a Klan hood. It was the people of Virginia who were responsible. They had the collective guilt. And that guilt can only be expedited by giving Ralph Northam more power. Because that's what it's always about. It's always about Democrat power. And when you make a mistake, it means you're a sinner and you must be damned. You probably don't have enough diversity in your offices, says Don Lemon. But when they screw up, it's society's fault. It's it's your fault. Meaning, they've got you coming and going. It's a good trick. It's a good trick the left does, but it's never, ever, ever their fault. Now, here's the funny thing before we move on to the next thing we're going to talk about. but. Uh, Justin Trudeau, he's woke. Yeah, woke. Are you woke? Are you in the know now? Are your eyes open? Because that's the new word now. If you look in the Urban Dictionary, you're woke. You're in the know. Now, since becoming the leader of the Liberal Party of Canada, Trudeau has gone out of his way to prove his progressive credentials to the public at large. Here are five times the Canadian leader has flexed his woke credentials. During a town hall event in Edmonton, Alberta, in February of last year, Trudeau was asked a question by a member of the audience regarding the World Mission Society Church of God, a South Korean-based charity. After the young woman used the term mankind, Trudeau swiftly corrected her saying, we like to say people kind, not necessarily mankind, because it's more in Inclusive. People kind. Are you a blithering idiot? Well, he is. I mean, I can answer the question for you. Trudeau is an idiot. It's not people kind. It's mankind. That's a word. Go look up the definition. Why do we got to change definitions to words? And why do we call it mankind? Who cares? We know what it means. It means men and women. It means mankind. Idiots, right? After a wave of mockery over this comment, Trudeau backtracked. Claiming the phrase was meant as a dumb joke, I'm using air quotes because you can't see me. In 2016, only months after becoming Canada's prime Canada's prime minister, Trudeau spoke to reporters at the University of Waterloo with the CBC, Canada's publicly owned broadcaster, claiming he schooled a reporter on the subject of quantum computing. Now the reality of the whole deal, because the media said something. The reality was, according to an MIT technology review editor, was that Trudeau did not understand quantum computing at all. In a column from the Washington Post, this editor listed all the errors in Trudeau's statements and wrote, no physics student is going to be led astray by his remarks, and people who don't actually want to learn about quantum computing are happy to be wooed by his starry eyes. So what the guy said was, he's a moron. Nothing he said was true, but the media claimed he schooled a reporter. Following his election victory in 15. Trudeau and the Liberal Party announced their first cabinet of ministers during a press conference on Parliament Hill in Ottawa. A reporter noted that the cabinet was half men and half women. That is so progressive of him, isn't it? That's so equality of him. That's so diversity of him. I want to puke. Who cares? I mean, you know, everybody gives President Trump such a hard time, but President Trump employs many women. And it's all, you know, I'm a recruiter by trade. I don't care what genitalia you have. Are you the best person for the job? But yet, this knucklehead's got to make a point of having exactly half and half men and women. Now, Trudeau simply replied back, because it's 2015, is why he had men and women, launching an internet meme that mocked Trudeau and asserted that progressive arguments could be reduced and justified by the fact it was the current year. Yep. Yep. Another thing Trudeau is well-known for is love showing off these themed socks of his. You ever watch him? He wears those goofy suits, and I talked about this in the television show today. I like my suits to where the cuff of the pants is right down on the shoe. I don't want to show off my sock. I'm old school. But the new deal with these suits nowadays, and, and they, I, I went to get fitted for a tux about a year ago, and they told me this. They're like, oh, yeah. Do you want these pants to come up so they can see your socks? No. But they're like skinny jeans. You know, they don't they don't come all the way down to your shoes, so they show, they're like high waters, like you're waiting for the flood in Houston, you know, and I our prayers go out to the folks down in Houston, they're getting a crap ton of rain. But, you know, they, they want to put your pants there like there's a flood so you can show off your your theme socks. Well, Trudeau is well known for the love of his theme socks. In June of seventeen, Trudeau was photographed, get this, wearing socks to celebrate the Islamic holy month of Ramadan. No big deal there, right? Unless you're on an LGBT pride parade in Toronto and wish attendees a happy Pride Mubarak to celebrate the end of Ramadan, all 13 countries that punish homosexuality with the death penalty are Muslim-majority nations. What a moron! But this is, he's woke. He's cool. This guy's a moron. He is a knucklehead. And then last year, Trudeau, along with his wife and their children, made a state visit to India in which he committed a host of gaffes and triggered scandals, including inviting a known terrorist to dinner. Throughout the trip, Trudeau, along with his family, was ruthlessly mocked for dressing up in various Indian outfits and even accused of cultural appropriation. Indian commentator Sanam Mohajan went as far as labeling Trudeau an embarrassment to Canada and to Canada's liberal values when he had his wife and daughter put on hijabs and take off their shoes during the visit to the mosque. Now, that's a, everybody always gives Trump a hard time, right? Trump doesn't take his shoes off, doesn't bow to foreign leaders. Trump's Trump. And if you're Canadian, you're not Muslim. Why would you have your wife and daughter put on a hijab? You're, you're not Muslim. It's not your culture. I mean, these people aren't stupid, but you are, but you're woke. You're woke, stupid. See, that's the problem. And here we are. All right, we're going to shift gears here. Enough of the blackface. I could care less. Give me your comments over on Twitter at RealMattLock. You can find me on Instagram and parlor at the same handle, The Cartel Matt on Facebook, The Matt Locke Show. Um, This part of the program brought to you by Verve Forever. Head over to thematlockshow.com. By the way, t-shirts are available at thematlockshow.com. L-o-c-k-e. Hats are available, and over at that website, you can click on my link for Verb Forever It's CBD oil, guys. It's really, really good CBD oil. Some of the finest in America. You need to go check it out. They're running a lot of great deals right now. If you're a first time customer, you can use VERVE fifty V-E-R-V-E five zero, and you can get half off your first order. It's fantastic. If you're not a first-time, you know, buyer, use Verve 20, verve E -E two zero Save 20%. Still get you a nice discount on that CBD oil. They've got it for you. They've got it for your pets. And the really cool thing, what's flying off the shelves right now, is the cream. So we've got this CBD cream. And you rub it on the places that hurt. It works amazingly. And it is flying off the shelf. Go over to my my website, thematlockshow.com. Click on that Verve Forever link. That's my link. That's how I get paid. I'm an ambassador over there at Verve Forever. Thank you so much for helping me out. It's how I get paid. It's how my capitalism works, kids. But head over there. Check it out. TheMatlockShow.com. Verve Forever. Verb 50 for 50% off on first-time buys. Verve 20 if you bought before. Do it now. Show them some love, and you'll just feel better. CBD oil, good for you, and it's natural. So go check it out. All right. Um, Trump. I talked yesterday and I want to talk a little bit today. I've got about uh, about 20 minutes, so we're right on schedule here. Um, this controversy over this Trump phone call that supposedly this whistleblower has said Trump said some not-so-nice things. So Michael Atkinson, the intelligence community's inspector general, testified on Capitol Hill in a closed-door meeting um, Catherine Hedrus told us as she reported from Washington. The developing controversy over a mysterious phone conversation President Trump had with a foreign leader apparently centers on Ukraine. As the president and his allies claim the uproar is just another partisan plot against him, which it is. What touched off the controversy is a secret whistleblower complaint that the director of national intelligence has kept from Congress reportedly involved a promise Trump made to an unnamed foreign leader. In the latest development, the Washington Post and the New York Times... You ever notice it's the compost and the slimes? Thursday said that the complaint relates to Ukraine. Trump's attorney, Rudy Giuliani, seemed to acknowledge that effort uh, to pressure Ukraine to investigate potential corruption related to the Biden family. ro ro rag So I want you to think about this. I went to Twitter yesterday. Now we're starting to hear that Trump is reaching out to Ukraine to investigate one Hunter Biden. Now, we know... And we've seen that Joe Biden, back when he was vice president, pressured Ukraine, told them he was going to do a few things if they didn't back off because Hunter, his son, was getting paid $6, $60,000. It might be 600000 a month. I think it was $60,000 a month to sit on this Ukrainian gas company's board. That's 720000 a year. Now, Trump took to Twitter, as he always does. He says, the radical left Democrats and their fake news media partners, headed up again by little Adam Schiff, Schifferbrains, and batting zero for 21 against me, are at it again. They think I may have had a dicey conversation with a certain foreign leader based on a highly partisan whistleblower statement. Strange that, with so many other people hearing or knowing of the perfectly fine and respectful conversation, that they would not have also come forward. Do you know the reason why they did not? Because there was nothing said wrong. It was pitch perfect. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about that. Because Trump's right. you got one person coming forward. There's, You know there's a transcript to this phone call? Do you know that they've got the information that the intelligence agencies, that our people are listening? I mean, do you think, you know, here's the deal. I'm going to paint this picture for you because I have a story from the Washington Compost. It's an opinion piece written by Jennifer Rubin. They think they have Trump. It's another way to attack the president. And every time, oh, we got him now. Oh, we got him now. Oh, he's making deals with Ukraine. You know why they're mad? Rudy Giuliani has raised questions about the activities of former Vice President Joe Biden's son, Hunter, who worked for a Ukrainian gas company. Joe Biden, now a Democratic presidential candidate, has faced scrutiny for months over his past role, pressuring the country to fire its top prosecutor while he was leading a a corrupt investigation into that company. During the interview. See, this is the whole thing. They want they here's the thing. The Democrats got to distract. Trump is getting close to the truth. So what happens? The left all circle the wagons around Joe Biden because he's their savior. If you look at the left, who are they saying is going to be the guy who can beat Trump? Who's electable? Joe Biden. So what happens? All these liberal knuckleheads go out there and say, oh, Trump's done. Headline. The Washington Post, one Jennifer Rubin, what might finally ensnare Trump? I mean, they're having orgasms. They're having orgasms in D.C. They think they finally have the president cornered. Here's what Jennifer Rubin says. She says, President Trump tweeted on Thursday as the whistleblower scandal was unfolding. It's a scandal now. Unfolding. She, is anybody dumb enough to believe that I would say something inappropriate with a foreign leader while on such a potentially heavily populated call? Actually, she says, any sentient being knows that Trump has no idea what is and is not appropriate. See, he's a moron. So he would absolutely say something on a call that others might find shocking. He told George Stephanopoulos he would take help from a foreign power. That's not shocking. He told Lester Holt he was thinking of Russia when he fired James Comey as FBI director. Yeah, because you're a moron and you don't get it, Jennifer. He was thinking about Russia because it's a joke. Trump is precisely, she says, the sort of person to say something deeply incriminating. And she says that brings us to the post latest bombshell. that The compost is a joke. I mean, Jennifer Ruman here is a joke. She says she's a Republican. She's not. But now it's a Post bombshell. She says, quote, a whistleblower complaint about President Trump made by an intelligence official centers on Ukraine, according to, to two people familiar with the matter, which has set off a struggle between Congress and the executive branch. And she says it gets worse. Two and a half weeks before the complaint was filed, Trump spoke with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, a comedian and political newcomer who was elected in a landslide in May to Ukraine. That call is already under investigation by House Democrats who are examining whether Trump and his attorney, Rudy Giuliani, sought to manipulate the Ukrainian government into helping Trump's reelection campaign. Lawmakers have demanded a full transcript and a list of participants on the call. Here we go. It's Russian collusion again. Now, here's the thing. You want me to fill you in here? I talked about this on the show today. Listen to this. The whistleblower complaint has triggered a major showdown with Congress. Another bait and switch. After acting director of national intelligence, Joseph McGuire, would not share details of this phone call or the complaint of the whistleblower with lawmakers. Here is the key sentence. The inspector general for the intelligence community received the complaint and, according to the correspondence with Schiff, considered the allegations credible and dealing with an urgent concern. Only one thing is wrong with this. The report to the committee... Is supposedly at an impasse with the director of national intelligence. Uh, Michael Atkinson wrote that the DNI, after consulting with the DOJ, determined the complaint does not have to be shared with the intelligence committees under law. No, mind you that, you know, they don't have to be shared. See, the law's going to come out, and here's going to be the narrative. Well, William Barr's Trump's puppet. Trump's got his hand so far up Barr's ass. He's telling him what to do. He's covering for him. He's protecting him. It, 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 this is it, wait, 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 We know better. But yet the DOJ says, you know, no, the complaint does not have to be shared with the intelligence committees under law. It's the law. You know, the left doesn't like to follow the law. They like open borders. They like illegal aliens. MS-13 gang members. Child trafficking. Drugs. They don't care about the law. They don't care about you. They're just trying to figure a way to hang something around Trump's head. So what are they going to do? Here's what they're going to do. Oh, well, Trump talked to Ukraine. He's trying to fix the election coming up in 2020. Because you know why. You know why they're... Let me tell you why they're saying this. They know they're going to lose. Now, somebody uh, gave me a comment on either the television show or the radio show. I can't remember which. Yesterday, and said, Matlock, don't be overconfident that we're going to win in 2020. I'm not overconfident at all. You have to get out and you have to vote. Please, believe me. Get out and vote. Grab three of your friends and go vote. But I'm going to tell you something. I've heard on Rush Limbaugh, and I believe this myself as well. There are many angry people in this country today tired of what the Democrat Party is doing. They're tired of seeing them attack their president who is working his ass off day and night to make this country great again. And I'm telling you, unemployment, wages, regulation, taxes, all good for you. And there are people out there that are pissed and they're tired and they're fed up and they are going to vote in droves. And the left knows it. They know it. So what do they got to do? They're setting this up. They're pre-playing this. This is what's going on, my friends. If you pay attention to what's going on and if you know the left like I know the left, they're setting this up as the excuse for 2020. Well, Trump collaborated with Ukraine and he and he won the election with tampering. No one ever says a word about President Obama talking to Medvedev saying, "Hey, hey, hey. When I win this next election, I'll have more tell tell Vladimir Putin, I'll have more flexibility." These people are incorrigible. They're unbelievable. And you've got Jennifer Rubin out there. She has got to spread the false narrative. And now Congress is going to say, well, we need to investigate because Trump-Russia Trump, Trump Russia collusion. They didn't find anything with Mueller. They're pissed off because Lewandowski wouldn't give him anything, and they look like a bunch of morons. So what do they have to do? I said this on my show yesterday. This is a smokescreen. This is look the other way. Don't pay attention to what's going on in the left hand while we use the right hand to screw you. This is what the left does. And what do they say? Well, Trump and his fixer, Giuliani, it's been widely reported have been pressuring Zelensky to investigate Joe Biden based on a groundless theory that as vice president, he was helping his son who sat on the board of a Ukrainian gas company. Now, Biden has been accused, and I think Tom Fitton um, over at uh, Judicial Watch is investigating this because supposedly Biden was accused of getting a prosecutor investigating his son's company fired. In fact, the investigation into Burisma, Hunter Biden's employer, has ground to a halt long before the prosecutor was sacked. A subsequent probe into the company's owner was opened because of a request from Ukrainian legislators, not because of prosecutorial, prosecutorial initiative. This is what Rubin is saying. All of this, she says, raises a question as to whether the multiple actions amounted to a promise by Trump to release aid in exchange for Ukrainian help investigating Biden. Aside from possibly implicating bribery statutes, there could be no clearer example of a high crime and misdemeanor than in using government revenue to extort a foreign power to help you get reelected. Now, here's the funny thing, Jennifer Rubin. Trump doesn't need Ukraine's help to defeat Biden. Biden is a moron. The dude can't remember what he said two minutes after he said it. The guy's a bumbling, stumbling idiot who talks about corn pops. I mean, these people are stupid. And yet they continue to tell you that they're going to ensnare Donald Trump in some sort of a scandal. But you know where all the scandals came from, right? The Obama administration. They want to tell you they're going to get Trump. They want to tell you they're going to catch him in some wrongdoing. You know what they're afraid of? That we're gonna find out that Biden was and did act illegally in Ukraine. That's what they don't want you to find out. So what do they do? What does the left do? They change the narrative. What what Well, what, what might finally ensnare President Trump? And they all sit around and they're all oh they're getting excited oh oh we got him now oh look oh we got all this information look what we're gonna do we're gonna take him down and then they don't. And then Donald Trump doubles down like he always does. He fights back, and he says, you people are ridiculous. You're a bunch of morons. I'm the president. I didn't make any deals, and here's the transcript. And he doesn't, by the way, he doesn't have to release that transcript to any of the intelligence committees because of law. And the left knows that. So what are they going to do? They're going to go out on their little television campaigns. They're going to scream, cry, bloody murder. They're going to say that they're being shut out. They're going to be say, They're going to say that Trump hid something. They're going to do everything they can to stir up some kind of scandal right before 2020 because the Democrat Party is hopeless. Now, this leads me to this final story. Now, I've been telling you for some time that I believe that some big name, Is going to end up jumping in the race at the end. The left doesn't like any of their candidates. I'm telling you, they don't like Biden's got no energy. They're worried to death about Elizabeth Warren winning the prime Warren winning the primary and then pissing off Wall Street and everybody else and not winning because Trump would take her to the TP. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh sorry. Um, but anyway. They don't like their candidates. I told you on this very program, I believe Michelle Obama might throw her hat in the ring. You need a big name. You need someone they can trust. You need someone they can go for. And it's not too late yet. Because the debates mean nothing. I mean, if we look, you're watching these debates. I live tweeted the last debate. It, 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 it's a shit show. I mean, it's literally a circus. These people don't know what the hell they're doing. They they don't they they just don't. Right, So we're watching this, we're giggling, and we're thinking to ourselves, good Lord, can you be this stupid? At least I do. So I'm telling you that at some point, we are going to see a big name enter this race. Now, enter stage left. Mark Penn, listen to this headline. Hillary Clinton... Would be a 2020 2020 contender if she had conceded the 16 election. Here we go. What are they setting the stage for? Former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton blamed voter suppression this week, specifically in the key state of Wisconsin, for her 2016 loss to Donald Trump. She's a moron, by the way. Responding Friday on Fox and Friends, former Clinton campaign strategist Mark Penn said the primary reason for Clinton's loss was Trump turning working-class voters away from the Democrats. And he's going to do it again because working-class voters are making more money, paying less taxes. Quote, officials in Wisconsin made every excuse in the books to prevent people from voting, Clinton said Tuesday at George Washington University. Quote, you can run the best campaign, have the best plans, and get the nomination, and win the popular vote, and you can lose... The Electoral College and therefore the election. Because that bad, mean Electoral College. We got to get rid of it, right? Clinton appeared to claim that she lost voters because the Supreme Court struck down a portion of the Voting Rights Act. She called the 2018 midterm elections a case study in voter suppression, arguing it is the reason Stacey Abrams lost the Georgia gubernatorial race. Penn said Clinton could have put herself in a strong position to win the nomination again in 2020, but instead, her poll numbers have steadily declined. Wait, uh, we're going to stop right here. Hillary Clinton is Hillary Clinton. It would not surprise me if she ran for president again. And I think what you're seeing, this is the left, this is how they do it, this is a little trial balloon. Let's float it out there. Let's see who responds. This is like code. This is how Washington works, and especially the Democratic Party. They go out there and they drop these little hints. Hey, um, you know, um, Hillary would be a great 2020 contender. <clears throat> what do you think? This is what they do. Penn said Clinton would have put herself in a strong position to win the nomination in 2020, but instead her poll numbers have steadily declined. Quote, she has conceded the election cleanly. If she had, I should read that right, if she had conceded the election cleanly and talked about the issues, she actually would have been in a great position to get back in today. Her ratings are 10% below Donald Trump because she goes out and says it was all unfair. Now I have to tell you, I was laughing because, um, I don't remember what I was watching, but someone said that Donald Trump was down to Biden, Warren and Sanders in Texas by 10 points. I chuckle. I mean, you want to talk about fake news. Trump's not going to lose Texas. Not even in the least bit. You know, I I did a story for Andrea Kay when I filled in, in San Diego on Wednesday and she said, Hey, you know, the GOP is losing Texas. No, it's not. That's the left wet dream but it's not happening. And now here you go. I'm telling you right now, you mark my words. I would not be surprised today, September 20th, that Hillary Clinton didn't get in the race. She's got name recognition. She's got built in money and look at Biden. He's a bumbling fool. Seriously. Who? Somebody's got to come across as moderate, right? electability, right? Why are we, what are we sitting here watching? Well, electability, electability, electability. Joe Biden's the only electable one. He's the only one that can beat Trump. Um, maybe Hillary can do it. She's a moderate hard to believe, but she is a moderate compared to these socialist knuckleheads that have went off the left deep end, the progressive diving board, right? So in the end, would I be surprised if Hillary Clinton Didn't run for president again? Oh, no. I know it makes you want to vomit out there. You probably threw up in your mouth a little bit, because I do, even when I say it. I'm like, ah, yeah. You know, just thinking about old pantsuit running again and her little cackle, ah, 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 you know, it it, it bugs me. But this is the politics we're in today. These are, and I'll tell you, (laughs) I'm going to tell you right now, how fun would it be to watch Trump run against her again. How, how fun would that be? How amazing would that be to watch that over again? Because this time it would be crazy. Because guess what? Trump has things he can run on. Trump has accomplishments that he's done. He has now a resume and money that I talked about yesterday. I mean, his small donation donors are coming through like crazy. The The groundswell is awesome. I think, it, I, 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 honestly, I'm going to tell you right now, I hope she runs. I either hope, here. here's my two things I hope. I hope either Joe Biden wins the nomination because Trump would make mincemeat of him Or I hope that Hillary Clinton decides that she's the electability one and gets in the race. How fun would that be? God, can can we only hope? All right, guys, it's Red Friday. Remember, everybody deployed. Please do me a big favor. You know, thank a veteran. Thank them. Shake their hand, buy them lunch, whatever. There's a lot of there's a lot of men and women in this country who are spending time away from their family defending this great country, this great United States of America on our behalf. Let them know you appreciate it. I'm out, guys. I'm gonna go do some day drinking. I think. I think that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do some day drinking. Enjoy the rest of the weekend, watch some college football tomorrow. I hope you all have a great weekend. I'll be back on Monday. Same bat time, same bat channel, covering new stuff. Hey. For today, the Matlock Show is out.
2: 30,